Hey y'all, this is Rich Collins of Renaissance Publishing. Welcome to Mardi Gras Beyond the Beads, a series of conversations with Mardi Gras historian Errol Laborde about the history and traditions of Carnival, the greatest free show on earth. All right, everyone, welcome to the first Mardi Gras podcast of 2022. This is Rich Collins talking to Errol Laborde, and we're going to talk about all of the changes for this year's Mardi Gras. The good news is Mardi Gras is happening, carnival season is happening, but uh, with some modifications. So, Errol Labor, let's talk about how this year's Mardi Gras is going to be different. Well, the big difference is um, the, um, the parade routes, that the parade routes are, are more condensed uh, than they've been in the past, uh, more parade over, over less space. And the reasons for that is it's COVID indirectly. It's really manpower shortage right? Uh, in terms of uh, having the number of security and police uh, along the way. And I think um, COVID is a secondary um, sort of thing. But most of the parades maintain their integrity of what they usually are, except for except for one. But but the um, you know a big question was the uh, Endymion Parade which is a long parade and it goes, it's the only one that goes up Canal Street. Right. And full disclosure here, I live along that <laughs> route. And I could tell you what a big deal that parade is for days ahead uh, in Dimian parades on a Saturday. And, and by Thursday, the whole neighborhood starts to change. And to me, it's what I always tell people, this is what a city neighborhood should be. It's like an urban festival that's going on. And it would be a big, well, last year they didn't have it. so. It would be a big loss not to have it, and they, they preserve that part of the route, and so that it comes up by uh, by City Park and turns on Carrollton, and then works its way uptown. They took away the back part of the route, where it uh, headed toward the uh, uh, the Superdome, and it made a, a different turn, and then so that part of it is shortened. But that part isn't the one of the local people as a, right. uh, as much as people having to be downtown. So if you had to do it, I think it was uh, it was the best change. All of the other crews got cut in some way, but most crews have essentially the same route, right. which is the uptown route. The, the difference may be where it starts so on Jefferson Avenue or, or or some other place, but most of them, um, you know, have the route where they go up up St. Charles and then work their way um, to where they finish. And so, I think for some of those parades, the changes won't be that noticeable, with one noticeable exception. <clears throat> And they've done everything they can to point it out, and and, <laughs> and I don't blame them. This is the crew of Toth, uh, which parades on that last Saturday before Mardi Gras. Uh, it's it's an old parade, been around for years. It's a very good parade. Uh, they have a they have good floats. They have a good captain who keeps it well organized. Their costume. They have smart bands, and they have every 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 ideal that you'd want in the carnival parade. The one thing that was different about Toth was that it had this serpentine route through Uptown where it passed through a lot of the institutions Uptown, uh, the, the held in, in institutions. And so it's a big thing to the people who lived in those places, like some might be like senior citizens or something. You know, on Toad, Toad Sunday was a big deal uh, where you go out and you sit and, and you wait for the parade to pass. Well, that route has been modified to the point where most of those places are lost along the route. And the Toad people complain and the citizens complain, and, and it's a legitimate complaint, but you just couldn't have a route with that many turns and, right. and going around corners and still maintain something that was like the original route. And so it was, it, of all the decisions, that was the most painful decision 
and you just hope that something can be done, uh, be done in the future. But let me say this. Um, I'm assuming that by next carnival season, COVID's not going to be an issue, uh, COVID or anything else uh, out there. However, manpower may very well still be an issue. Right. Uh, it's already an issue right now. Uh, it's an issue around the country. And so it's not just a carnival issue, uh, especially with police. And, and, and if the charge and, and charge and the number of police, so that's really something that needs to be worked on between now and, and next month. Because I can see the possibility of, of next year there being this big press conference saying, good news, there's no COVID restrictions, bad news, we, we don't have enough police. And so we need to follow last year's rules or maybe modify them even more. So I think that's the big challenge uh, that Carnival faces. And, and maybe there's something else you can have than only strictly police, but some sort of like citizens brigade or, or something. Uh, I know they plan to utilize the, uh, the Coast Guard's helicopters more. And, 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 and those helicopters are good for spotting stuff way up ahead. I mean, right. I mean if something looks like trouble, um, you know, those helicopters are good at that. But I think that's going to be the issue of the future. I read that the Coast Guard was going to help patrol via air and water, which I was trying to figure out how, the, how they could do it from their boats. But <laughs> Well, with people, yeah, it's never happened, but they've always wanted to be prepared for somebody coming in loaded with something on board. You know? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah to they, protect from some kind of... Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I mean, that's a great function that the Coast Guard uh, performs and has done it quite successfully. Um, so far. Well, that totally makes sense, so. yeah. So I have an interesting perspective on Endymion and Toth because when I moved to New Orleans, I lived in Mid-City right near where you live for many, many years. And that was my frame of reference for, for carnival sure. season for years. And that's back in the old days when there was multiple Mid-City parades. Yeah. And I, you know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of consternation when, when the Mid-City parades kept disappearing and it just left Endymion. But for the last decade, I've lived much closer to the Toth Parade route. And it's interesting that the perception in that neighborhood is really different of Endymion. I feel like people uptown don't, don't see the importance of Endymion to that neighborhood, I guess is, what I, is how I would describe it. Well, it's not important to that neighborhood because they got Bacchus and they got Orpheus and they right. got Rex. Or, and so in that sense, it's not, you know, what happened, and it, it was a real loss to, to, to lose those parades um, that went along the Canal Street route, but 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 there were two factors. Um, one is that that route just moved slower. There was construction going on, and crew people said will tell you that, that they just weren't as many people along that route. The St. Charles Avenue route is what I call Carnival's Broadway. Right. You know, in the whole world of Carnival, the most glamorous route that you can be on. And so, if you're losing membership, which is these crews were facing too. A uh, crew called Mid City. Um, more and more of their members live in Metairie, and they're going in different directions. And Dimian draws a lot of people who might have been in other parades at some at some point. Right. And so they're losing people, and so they need to attract riders and to say, "Well, we're going along St. Charles Avenue is more attractive than saying Canal Street." Now, I gotta say that saying going along Canal Street is better than saying going along Berman Highway, right? Uh, or right. something like that. I mean, that's the second best route, but. But that was a factor right there, just to try. And so a lot of crews, including like Awa, which is from Algiers, which started in Algiers. Mm-hmm. The name is an acronym for Algiers, Louisiana, Louisiana. you know, moved to Uptown. Um, that was one reason. The other thing is that the police really liked it because they can condense the routes more. So you didn't have to move barricades. I mean, I, I remember you used to see one parade 
And after parade, you saw these trucks pass by with barricades, with the police rushing to bring uh, the barricades to someone else. And so you could standardize the route with, with the safety precautions. And so the police really, really liked that. Uh, and it, it just became more of a, a safety thing. And, and that's the good part. The bad part is for people who live uptown, it really gets tiring. It's really kind mm-hmm. of fatiguing. Mm-hmm. It's really a, a strain. And some of these businesses uh, along the St. Charles route, especially for those weekday parades, um, um, the, you know, they may start, depending where you are at the beginning, like 5, 30, 6 o'clock. Um, you know, they may have a business, and, and, and all those businesses have to shut down for the day. And so it really kind of hurts them. Now, maybe on that weekend, uh, um, they do okay. And so that's a problem. So it's a big strain. And there was one year because of, uh, I think it was of bad weather, that Endymion had to be canceled that Saturday night. But when you cancel Endymion, you got huge repercussions. One, you do have a lot of people came in from out of town. Right. Two, you've got that big ball after which they're going to still have. But you pretty much got to deliver to these people. And so they actually had Endymion that Sunday night. Oh, and yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and so you had Bacchus and Endymion along the same route, oh and then God. you had Arfid, <laughs> which is just that. way, <laughs> way too much, and so um, you just shouldn't overdo it. Um, I wish there was maybe like one more parade down Canal Street, because now essentially all there is is Endymion. Um, Mid-City was the ideal parade, uh, one because it was called Mid-City, mm-hmm. and it, it had its own look to it. It was the only parade uh, made with foil mm-hmm. as the building material. And being a daytime parade, would have all this sparkle to it. It was also the first parade to have moving parts. Oh, I and maybe you think like a, like a windmill or something moving. And the secret, their power source was Boy Scouts. Um, <laughs> they made a deal with the Scouts, and you have these Boy Scouts inside turning. And they loved it. The Boy Scouts loved it. it was, um, you know, it was, it was a big deal to do it. And it was just a, a really family-friendly parade that people liked. It also had this contest called The Greatest Bands in Dixie, which among high school bands around the South got to be pretty well known. It was a prestigious contest. And so they'd have judging along the way. Right. And at Gallier Hall, they'd announce the winner. And it was a big thing to be announced. You know, the crew of Mid-City in New Orleans, the greatest band in Dixie. Yeah. And I remember several times seeing the parade from right past Gallier Hall after they announced the winner. And the losers were just so seeing everybody crying, the band's catch <laughs> Uh It kind of lost a lot of its glory. But anyway, I wish Man City was still in Canal Street. It could, you know, it would be the day after Endymion, so the route would already be in place. Right, right. But 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 on the other hand, Endymion does leave a lot of burden to be be cleaned up. So anyway, we're just glad for what it is, and it's going yes. to be. So in summary, I mean, except for what happened with Toth, all the parades are happening on a version of their original route. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I think there's one or two that there's a little bit different that um, where they salute the mayor at Gallier Hall, and for some reason they right. they can't do it. But that's not a big crowd thing, okay. And so for the most part, I think it's gonna it's gonna look the same. I mean, you can probably hear stories about at the beginning part of the route, and people say our family came here for 50 years. Yes, and it, and it started at a different place. Uh, in fact, I, I know a man who lives along. The route of Cru de Vu, and uh, in the in the past, Cru de Vu started like like several blocks down from his house, which was fine because by the time he got to his house, it was all right. in place. 
now it's lining up in front of his house. <laughs> all right, all right. And so he's just wondering about the impact of that. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, certainly in the parking. A little too much crude of Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, one thing I did read was that they were going to enforce more strictly the pro- the prohibition of par- of camping out for days and days ahead of parades like Endymion. Yeah, they've been. Um, <laughs> yeah, if they didn't, I mean, who knows? I'd be camping out year round for Endymion. Uh, I think it's like forty eight hours now. Something like that, which is still to me a long time. I always that night before, like around midnight or so, ride along uh, that part of New Jersey just to see what's going on. And there's always a lot of people out there, and it's, it's invariably it's a cold night, and they, they got these fires uh, <laughs> set up, and they got these tents, and you see these groups. And I always kind of I don't know for sure, but I have a feeling that for every group there's this designated guy. <laughs> Okay. The enforcer? No, who stays overnight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like everybody comes in parties, all right? And then they all leave, and then the designated guy comes. And I've always wondered about the designated guy the next day, around 5 o'clock in the afternoon when the parade comes. He's probably wiped out. Yeah, he's sleeping. Yeah, he probably misses he probably misses the parade at all. But just to know that there's a, you know, that kind of spirit out there is really you know, a really good thing. Right, that much dedication. It would be a huge loss to Mid-City. And, 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 you know, when, when people look for houses, I've done this too. Um, you know, if somebody's looking at a house in Mid-City, that's one of the first things we mentioned. By the way, you know, Endymion Pass is right down there. Right. And it's a big thing. So the other big difference this year in 2022 is the mask mandates and the, the new requirements for all the riders in the cruise to show vaccination and things like that. Let's talk about that a little bit. How, how is that going to impact the the feeling, you know, the, the party feeling of Mardi Gras this year? I think it's worked out okay. Some of these crews are pretty well disciplined. Um, you know, a way a good crew is structured is that you have your, you have your captain, you have your lieutenants, but then but then on your floats, you have like these float sergeants. And yeah. these, these float sergeants <laughs> know what to do with their floats. And when you see a good crew, and it, like everybody's wearing their masks like they should, that's because there's a float sergeant there who's doing his job. Right. Uh, you know, who keeps on... And so, like, like a crew like Rex or, or, the, or the big crews and Demi and Bacchus, they're pretty well organized, that kind of stuff. It's sort of like these new kind of, I don't, I don't want to mention names, uh, but there are some that are a little bit diligent, less diligent uh, about the rules. But I think it can be done. Yeah. Uh, it's no problem. Now, there may be some objection from some of the riders who, you know, who don't want to do it. But if you want to do it, uh, I think it can be done. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know, how much that affects things at all. That's more of a, just a logistical and administrative challenge for the... Now, the, now the other thing that's not clear is the places that have, like, a ball. Right. Or an event after, exactly how that's going to work. Um, uh, I think the letter of the law is that you're supposed to be wearing a mask inside, too, but do you really want Rex and his queen, you know, to be you know, wearing a mask? And I have a feeling between now and... We're lucky it's the late Mardi Gras. Right. So there's, there's time to kind of weigh some of these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as what's going inside the ball. I mean, it's funny because, of course, masking is part of the Mardi Gras tradition. So there'll yeah. be some masks anyway. You could have a N95 on underneath your other mask. Yeah. But but like you say, inside, especially when when the food comes out and it's it's a it's it's like you're at a restaurant at a table. Yeah. Your mask so. is going to come off for the meal. Yeah. So. Um, but like with the court presentations, you know, when you got when you got this girl, she's been waiting 19 years. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, to be a maiden, right? And somebody says, "Ah, oh, you gotta wear a face mask." I, right. you know, I, think, I hope they, I hope common sense prevails by the time. 
right. whatever common sense is. So, so, the, so that really are the big changes. It's slightly modified routes, uh, some new safety measures. Uh, we might, so we might, you know, knock wood, have a have a pretty normal feeling Mardi Gras. Yeah. Well, let me mention the other big safety thing is that there were two horrible, horrible disasters uh, in um, with 2020. Right. Uh, and both were the same sort of thing. Uh, one was the crew of Nix, one was the crew of Endymion. Mm -hmm. That uh, floats came by, and you know these floats stopped frequently because just of the way to flow. And a masker, all of these parades have these what's called these tandem floats, which are several floats connected together. Right. And in both cases, a masker went between two tandem floats. I think one went down the ground and got something. The parade started moving. And they were just crushed by tandem floats. I mean, just a, a terrible thing to happen. Uh, it, it's happened before, too. Uh, but to have it happen twice. And so there was... A committee was formed as you do with these things. And, and it's, it's an issue that has been looked at before. One time there was a solution to essentially have some like, um, maybe not National Guard, but to have some people walking alongside each float um, to make sure nobody went in between. That's kind of far to, uh, uh, to administer. Right. But the prevailing idea is to have a device uh, an accordion type device mm -hmm. that's sort of like between the, the, the tandem between the two floats that make up the tandem. Um, if you can picture, especially like in downtown New Orleans, there are some tandem buses. Mm -hmm. Okay, and when they make that turn, they got the accordion thing, and so they can still make the turn. They can still go from the back to the fourth and all that, but you got that thing that's protecting them. And so I think that's going to be the rule. Okay, uh, you know, with the tandem floats. Somebody told me that it was tried several years ago and it didn't work too well because when the parades had to turn too much that the that the, the accordion-like device tended to break. Uh, I mean, just assume that the float builders will, will know that and, right. and, uh, and be aware of that technology. I wonder if we should all expect some delays this year related to accordion equipment malfunctions. Well, you know, uh, at, the, uh, at the hearing last week, or we know... Uh, when the mayor's office were talking about the rules, one of the crew captains said something, which is absolutely true. And he said, the most dangerous time in the parade is when the parade is stopped. Mm -hmm. All right. And in this case, both cases would happen. You know, the parade would stop. People felt free to go in and all that. And then the parade starts and then it got crushed. And so anything that encourages stopping the parade, I just don't think you want. And so to the contrary, as long as you can keep it, um, keep it rolling. The other kind of side issue and uh, was that in both cases, when the parade was stopped, the police just said, okay, parades, we're done. The parade's done. Uh, you know, everybody go home. And, and this, I'm told, was a disaster because, a man, and, and it's not like you don't want to feel any passion for the people who were killed. I mean, certainly we feel all the pity we can. But at the same time, if you had this parade, and you got maybe a thousand kids who are marching in bands, and you got all the people outside who are watching, and then somebody says, "Okay, parade's over." Going, where do they go? I mean, they don't even know where to go. Especially the band kids. I mean, the band kids are being led from point A, uh, from point A to point B. And that one captain told me caused a lot of complications. 
uh, just by leaving us. And yeah, so, what did they do? Did they just keep walking toward their destination on the route? Or? They just broke it up. And so I think the the like like the band groups tried to stay together and walk back to the bus, find their bus as best yeah. as they could, and the and the flow bus. But it's just really something you know what happened. Um, again, we all hope it doesn't happen, but maybe there could be some sort of protocol, like maybe there can be like a silent march or something when that happens. Uh, you know, just have a drum, you know, almost like a funeral uh, kind wow. of thing, but at least keep it moving. And, and, and uh, because just think of the people like they, toward the beginning of the parade route, and then they find out that the parade's not coming, and they gotta be working their ways back to the cars, and then all that. It's the big mess. You're saying it, it's it's literally a public safety issue. Where it is. Keep the parade moving some way yeah. or another. Yeah, yeah. It's safer and, 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 and it's not being insensitive to the to the incident. It's just trying to deal with it, um, and then right in the best way possible. That's also interesting what you said about that, that the danger comes from when the, the parades stop, and they always stop. I mean, there's every, you just know that part of parades they're always stopping and starting for for myriad of reasons. But the more you can eliminate that, the the safer the whole experience. And quite often there's a float axe. I remember one time with a kid, there was a thing like a, a sailor who may have had a little bit too much and right. and a float stopped and went between and got crushed. It's just um, you know. It's always that kind of thing. I mean, uh the uh when you hear about the accidents and it's border growth not because of violence that much or anything like that. I mean, it's that kind of thing. It's like float incidents. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people <laughs> crowded up together against yeah, yeah. heavy moving objects. Yeah, uh, the 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 neurotic in me always worries about that <laughs> yeah. on the side of the parade routes. But um, so it's funny we've been talking about all these kind of either serious issues, but in general, we're, we're the carnival season is here. The the the, the, the general theme is that it's gonna it's gonna happen in some version of its normal self. And then one thing I wanted to mention that you know all these changes we're talking about is 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 in Orleans Parish. I mean, if you go out into the outskirts, things are going to look pretty much exactly the same. Is that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're they have the same issue um, in the other parishes. They don't, have the, they don't have the same crowds. I mean, maybe Jefferson Parish does. But, right. Uh, but Jefferson Parish has really been moving a trailer, um around. But and so I think they're essentially the same. What what they've been. Interesting, and, and I know that you know. Oh gosh, what's the number? People talk about um, the size of the crowds that come for your average Mardi Gras. Um, what would you What would you guess for twenty twenty two? Is it going to be a, a thing where it looks the numbers are just as big as they were in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, or is it going to be fifty percent less because of all the the asterisks? Yeah. What do you think? Well, well, here's what I'm trying to figure out. Is that, well, first of all, the weather is always a big factor, right? And the weather affects regional people. Uh, people that live around Louisiana, the, the, the area. So they're in a position where the day before they're going to decide we're not going to go. Now, somebody from far away who's had to book a hotel, you know, and they've done our races, and so they're coming one way or the other. And so the weather is always a factor. Mardi Gras will be March 1st. That's when, you know, you, you're pretty much turning towards spring. Now, I can remember a snowfall, like on March uh, the 3rd, a few years ago. Mm. It wasn't Mardi Gras that year, but I remember that. So it does get cold. Uh, in early March, and so um, I think that could be a big factor. The other thing, um, well, people have the attitude of like, we glad Carnival is back. Let's wait and see uh, for next year. And then the other thing is the crime. Uh, mm. I mean, the things we're hearing about crime that could be that people are so used to hearing about crime in New Orleans that it doesn't phase them. Okay, uh, but that's that, that can become a factor also. Uh, it, 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 it certainly. 
steers people to the suburban um, um, Mardi Gras from New Orleans. But if people can overcome that, and if they can kind of understand what's special about our Mardi Gras, you know, I don't think it should be the biggest ever, but if it's to be a middle-sized Mardi Gras, that, that'll be a good, uh, a good kick to come back. Right. I'm curious to see what happens. And then last question about all this. How would you say this year's modified Mardi Gras compares to some of the other uh, Mardi, modified Mardi Gras of years past? Well, well, first, there's never been anything like this. I mean, there's never been anything like a virus that right. uh, that's stopped the parade cold right there. There have been times when there weren't parades the year before. Um, sometimes the civil strife, like like during the wars, like World War One or World War Two, but and from those, by the time it was time to parade, that was easy because we'd won the war and let's you know let's parade. Right. Um, and so I think that's okay. I think a good example that comes to mind is uh, 1979, because 79 was the was the police strike. Right. And that was just a very, very bit of strike. But people were ready for it. I mean, and um, and it fell apart on the police. Um, when, when, when the strike began, people were sympathetic with the police. By the time it ended, they weren't sympathetic. And so uh, the police were the real kind of losers on this thing. But by, next year, by the next year, it was, you know, by Carnival 80, it was... Big and everybody was uh, was excited. And I've always I've told Dutch Morial was the mayor of New Orleans, and the police strike was significant in several different ways. And that he was the first black mayor of New Orleans, and so here you had this black mayor standing up against the police. Now ordinarily it's the other way around in, in terms of, of of you know the white people for the police and the oh, okay and everybody else gets what. But, uh, but, he, but he slept with the police, and he wound up looking really strong. But there was this great moment about two or three weeks before the parade started when there was this press conference with Morial and the Carnival crew captains. And one of the captains, who was the captain of Rex, said, we're not going to parade. We're going to not be held hostage by the Teamsters Union. And that was a great unifying moment. I mean, he was Mardi Gras United behind... The first black mayor, and it, was, it, it just, other than the fact that we, they lost the parades, it was a feel-good moment. But they also think it made Morial feel better about Mardi Gras, too. And uh, he was a real supporter of Carnival, um, you know, for the rest of the time. And, and, and anyway, so I remember the, the next year, the mood was good, uh, very safe. I don't remember any incident. But the last parade back then, it doesn't parade anymore was Comus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Comus was the first parade historically, and it used to do it. And it would pass by Geyer Hall, and Comus would salute the mayor. And that was always kind of a little bit of a, a sensitive thing, like Comus, who represented the old Mardi Gras, Morial, the first black mayor. And, and, and I remember going there just to watch what happens with him. So anyway, here come the police. They always had this platoon of police also. They're all in their dress blues for huh. this, okay? Not their regular mm-hmm. working the parade. They're in their dress blues, okay? They all get off in motorcycles, stand alongside. These waiters come by and pass out glasses of champagne, all right? And so it ends with the mayor and the, <laughs> and the police all having a champagne toast together. That's great. And then all crashing it down on the ground, which probably ticked off the sanitation department. <laughs> department okay. But I thought that was a, a great, great moment. And I wish I wasn't the only one who witnessed it. I mean, I wish there had been the global press there to see that. 
because it, it, it really was a moment to say, you know, the city's united again. That's great. Well, similarly, hopefully that this year's Mardi Gras sort of sets things back in motion. Hopefully it's a, a safe Mardi Gras, no tragedies this year, and just uh, good weather and good times for all. Yeah, and the safety, you know, to a certain extent, we can do something about the weather we can't, you know. Right. And by the way, if we had the parade last year, those last couple of days, the weather was pretty bad. It was kind of, it was kind of cold and windy, so uh, I think like that the last weekend, some of the school yeah. captains were saying, boy, am I glad we can't parade tonight. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, you know, but, but maybe they'll be all ready to go this year. Yeah, hopefully we're good weather this year. Well, thank you guys, and thanks so much for listening to this first episode back. As always, if anybody has any questions or comments, just send me an email, errol at myneworleans.com. And for the subject line, put Mardi Gras podcast, so I'll know not to delete you.